Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zen Ashe. I'm your conduit, your coach, and your catalyst to that better life. A coach draws out hidden potential in a subject. A conduit provides a connection, and a catalyst sparks change. So today we're going to be talking about Queens Conquer Challenges. And I have with me Queen Meek and Mayim. Queen Meek, say hi to the people. Hello, everyone. And Maya, yummy, she's funny. Hey, hey, everyone. <laughs> and we are going to talk about Queens conquering challenges. Yes. You know, everybody has challenges in life. COVID has been a huge challenge, a huge challenge. Um, but we have been able to, in this room, move past it, adapt. And I'm hoping that you guys are doing that. And if not, we're going to give you some inspiration to kind of help you to conquer some of those challenges that you're facing, kind of take you on our journey. And I wanted to start off today kind of talking about womanhood. People, society likes to decide what a woman should be. And I think that a lot of us in this room have struggled with feeling like we were not enough and we were not being what society said we should be. And last night, you know, my mind sometimes goes on a journey and I could not go to sleep last night. And this book came to my mind, my favorite book actually by Zora Neale Hurston. And uh, it's called Their Eyes Were Watching God. So if you've never seen Halle Berry's portrayal of this movie, it's a beautiful movie, but I'm just going to summarize it real quick because it was written in the thirties in the Harlem Renaissance but it applies to today. And in the story, Janie, she's a teenage girl, probably about 15 or 16. And she is, you know, making out with a neighbor boy. Her grandmother catches her and says, Ooh, I better marry off this child before she ends up with a baby. Mm. So she gets what she thinks is a really, really good match. She finds this old man. He's probably like 75. Okay. But he's got a two story house. And a whole bunch of acres and cattle. And she's like, oh, I made a good match for my daughter. And she marries the two of them. And she's like, oh, Janie, man, you got the life. And Janie goes off to be married. And then she sees her grandmother a couple months later. And grandmother's like, why are you looking so sad? And she's like, I thought I was going to love him. And the grandmother was like, love? Huh? Girl, you got a house. You got 40 acres. You got a big barn. You got what I love, you know, and people say, why don't our marriages last like our grandparents' marriages? That's one reason we want love. And, and Jenny was like, but he stinks and he doesn't, he doesn't even cut his toenails. And the grandmother was like, girl, just grow up. You, you, everything's going to be fine. Just go be a good wife. Everything's going to be fine. You go, you're going to grow to love him. And so she goes home and she's a good farmer's wife and she's always dusty and dirty because she's out there in the field. And one day her husband is gone and she's out there in the field working. And this man drives up in a nice kind of buggy and sees her. And this is a beautiful girl. Everybody knows how beautiful Haley Berry is. Okay. So beautiful girl, dusty, dirty. He says, what are you doing out here? Girl, you beautiful. What are you doing? And she says, I'm working on my husband's farm. She was like, if you were my woman, you wouldn't be working out here in the dust and dirt. I put you in some fine clothes. I'm getting ready to go and start the first color town. I want you to come with me. I'll marry you. I'll put you in some fine clothes. We're going to have a life. 
She gets in that buggy and drives off with him and she becomes his wife. And he does exactly what he said he was going to do. He puts her in fine clothes. He makes her the mayor's wife. They build this colored town and everybody's looking up at her. He's getting her dresses from Paris and London. You know, he builds her a, a store. She becomes a store owner, the general store. Everybody comes to the store and everybody's looking at her. She's got status. But at one of the gatherings, a man reaches out and touches her hair. She's got this beautiful hair. And her husband makes her go wrap it up. He doesn't mm. want anybody to see it just because one man touched her hair. Mm. And then he starts to embarrass her in public at the general store. And when she speaks back, he slaps her. She falls down. She's bleeding. Nobody in town says a word. So now not only can she not cover her hair, I mean, not show her hair, she's wearing these dresses. Now, this is a young girl. She's like 17, 18, wearing dresses and make her look like she's somebody's 80-year-old grandmother, barely showing her her ankles and her wrists, covered up here, all the way down to her, her, because her husband's insecure. And she can't be herself. And eventually he dies, and she unwraps her hair. And the men in town say, ooh, She's a widow. She's got money. She's got this, this general store. You know what? We're going to decide who's going to marry her next. And we got to wait. We know she's in mourning. We know we got to wait a little bit. But, you know, I don't remember the guy's name. Johnny, you, you're really the most eligible bachelor in town. You know, we're going to let you marry her. Now, keep in mind, they're not asking her anything. Right. The men in town have decided you're a good man. You're a good match for her. As soon as a suitable amount of time has passed, go after her. She's going to feel honored to have you as her husband. (laughs) And when he does go after her, she ignores him. And he's pissed. How dare she? And then this drifter comes in town. His name is Tea Cake. Very good looking man. But he has no job. He's coming in town just to do some odd jobs and on his way to Florida. Now, none of these men in town have ever sat down and had a conversation with Janie, ever asked her what she likes to do, what she wants to be, where she wants to go, ever asked her what her favorite color is, what kind of music she likes. Never asked her a thing, but he comes in and he's like, what do you like to do? You know, tell me about yourself. Who are you? sits down and invites her to play checkers because the men sit outside the the general store and they play checkers every day, but they never invited Janie to come play. He invites her to come play, and they're like, she doesn't play checkers. And she's like, "Uh, you don't know if I play checkers or not. I do play checkers. And she sits there and she beats him. And they're all offended. And the women in town are like, look at her. She's interacting, gallivanting with this drifter. She's the mayor's wife. Well, she's not anymore. The mayor's dead. But there's all these expectations of who Janie should be. And then Tea Cake says, come with me to Florida. There's nothing for you here. You can leave your house. You know, you can come back to it if you want. If you don't like it, come with me. And she leaves. And they have this amazing life. Now, they're living in a one-room shed. But they have love and they have adventure. And he's into her. He's all about her. Mm-hmm. And she has this amazing adventure with him until he gets bit by a rabid dog and dies. And then she ends up back in town. And everybody's like, ooh, poor Janie. She's like, no, I'm the only one in this town that's actually really lived. I'm the only one in this town that's lived my life. 
and actually went after my dreams and had somebody listen to me and value me, do not feel sorry for me. I got this house. I got everything I had before I left. But I had something you ain't never had, which is a man respect me, a man listen to me, a man value me. Not because I was cooking for him or cleaning for him or doing whatever he thought a woman should do, but just because I am and he sees who I am. And I didn't really get the full message of that book until last night because I took it just as a love story. But it was, <clears> a, it was a message about knowing who you are and being willing to be misunderstood by other people who think that they know for you what you should do. All the men out there just saying, these women don't want good men. They want bad men. Well, maybe they just want a man that talks to them. And maybe he's not your idea of a good man. Like tea cake wasn't anybody's idea of a good man. He didn't have a house. He didn't have a car. He didn't have a steady job. But what he had was respect for women. What he had was a value for women. What he had was an idea that a woman was equal to him and could make her own decisions and didn't need to be controlled. And she valued that. Janie valued that more than that house and the cattle and the acres and all of that. And so one of the things I think that as women I we need to do and I had to do is learn to set my own standards. And my yeah. standards may not be what anybody else thinks is important, but it's what makes me happy. Yeah. And it, it's what makes me feel loved and validated and all of that. And that was a journey. You know, because society tries to tell you all kind of things about who you should be and what you should do. And so I wanted to talk to these two young ladies about that because they are in some unconventional professions. So I'm going to start with Queen Meek. We're going to actually play a song by Queen Meek in just a minute because she kind of is going to talk about her her journey to giving herself permission to be her full queenness. Um, and sometimes we need to be bold enough to say, I am a queen and a queen has a kingdom and a queen has responsibilities and a queen has to make some decisions that other people may not understand or agree with, but because she's queen, she has the right and the privilege and even the responsibility of doing that. And, you know, when I look at that book, their eyes were watching God, it kind of reminds me that we only have one life to live. And a lot of us spend a lot of years. I know I spent 44 years of my life living my life the way my mama wanted me to live it, the way the church told me to live it, the way my neighbors thought I should live it, the way my boss thought I should live it. <laughs> and then about six years ago, I said, um, forget all this. I'm going to go back to what I wanted as a kid. I'm going to go back to the things that made me happy. And you know what people told me? They said, you look younger. <laughs> I let all that stuff go. And I started to feel more alive and more revitalized and more relaxed. And I started, I went natural. I've had more hairstyles this year than I've had in 50 years of living. Wow. You know, just doing all kind of stuff. Because I finally gave myself permission to be unconventional. I was scared to even go natural because what? 
Some men will say, oh, you look like a man. Look, your hair is all braided. You look like a man. You only, I can't even really feel what it would feel like out the braids, you know, whatever they want to say. But you know what? My hair is not for them. Yeah. It's for me. You know, so so I wanted to come to you. We're going to play your song first. And then I wanted you to kind of talk about becoming queen and being in that <laughs> unconventional role that you're in. Okay. then who am I? Queen me, meet the queen, thunder ruler of my own whirlwinds, and when people get wind of it, they try to silence me, like a quiet storm, only sounding my alarm, no, you cannot hush me, most of me, do not try to flip the script to shush me, because I will not dial it down, nor will I turn up only for your likings, cause see my thunder roars, and I know that I am the voice that carries, yet varies in volumes, volumes so loud, it makes you want to shout, Volume so loud, you have no choice but to harmonize my sound. Volume so loud, I'ma break the ground with you flows out my mouth because I am queen. And what I do is for the red shits and the class C just call us shit. And the tea I serve can easily be turned into perp, but it's up to you to decide which one is about that peace or about that peace. Leave it up to me, it can be anything, so no need to ask who I am because I already told you I'm the perp in your cup so good you wanna double up nothing like the gospel, but still have you got sip. I'm the poetic prophet only gaining from her losses. Sometimes I fall short because I'm far from perfect, but that's why he chose me to lead. I'm the seed they need. I could go gardens, not weeds, but get you high like trees. Please don't trim the leaves, but bite the apple in my eyes. Please taste the sweet juices of the three. I'm serving you spirit, mind, and body. When heck of a goddess is she queen me to be exactly a rising version with the heart of a lion working from sun up to sundown ain't no one not grinding me in tune with my fm and masculine that's right a true alpha but niggas don't know where to cap them but bitch your last dollar they big capping like i won't clap them my boss they can't tap them i think they need some water hydrate heal no tap ya in fact i think they just might need some tea and i got this immunity for sale it's all the prep you need and it's real tea Take a sip. Now 
the people on Facebook, you guys can't hear it, but she talks about how she wants to have her cake and eat it too. And how she's, <laughs> I mean, just tell us about, you know, your journey into kind of stepping into being Queen Meek and being in a, kind of a male dominated industry. Well, Queen Meek came about from heartbreak, honestly. I've been through some crazy situationships. And, I, I mean, I've always grown up writing, but I never thought I would be here. I just wrote my pain. I remember I used to get mad at my mom a lot for every little thing. And my aunt would always tell me, get a notebook and write her a letter or write how you feel. And I just started, I started writing poetry after my my last breakup, which was five years ago. And from there, I just took off with it, honestly. Um, Male-dominated, I don't even worry about that, honestly. It's crazy because I, I'm not I'm not tooting my own horn, but I have a lot of men that find themselves in competition with me. I'm not going to compete with them, but they do. I've had men tell me, oh, you should just stick to poetry. Oh, you should stick to poetry. And it's like, how am I going to get good at rapping if I'm constantly spitting poetry? I love poetry, but music is a different energy. My poetry is more like the stuff I cry about, and my music is more the stuff that I want to be in your face about. Like, you're going to listen to me now. You ain't got no choice but to listen to me. So it doesn't bother me that it's male-dominated. Honestly, I feel like most female rappers are better than men anyway. I hate to say it like that, but I do. I, I do because it's it's rare, and maybe it's who I listen to, but it's rare for me to find a man that I can relate to or a man that's talking about something. There's a few conscious rappers, but a lot of these men just talk about stuff that they want women to do to them. But mm -hmm. if a, a woman like a Meg Thee Stallion get on stage and say that same thing, oh, she, she's blasphemous, she needs to sit down, she this, she that. And it's like, why do you feel threatened by someone who's doing the same thing that you're doing? So I don't even mm. I don't even listen to me, and I'm gonna do what I want to do. Like I said in the poem, I'm in tune with my FM and masculine. I have I have balance. I believe duality is important. But other than that, I mean, it is what it is. Queen Meek came about. I guess it's like a alternate personality. Alternative. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do think that a lot of times artists, we have that ability to create that Sasha Fierce, that alternate mm -hmm. personality that <clears throat> says, I am woman, hear me roar, and right. I am not going to fit myself into a box. Nope. I got this whole other personality that's going to be as bold and as fearless mm -hmm. as I can be. And I think artists, we give ourselves that permission to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times people who aren't artists, they, they tremble, they are worried about it. Um, but I like a quote by Thoreau and he said, um, to be great is to be misunderstood. Yeah. Jesus was misunderstood. Copernicus was misunderstood. You know, Martin Luther was misunderstood. Everybody mm -hmm. who's ever been great was misunderstood. Definitely. So if you want to be great, you may need to just come to grips with being misunderstood and, and just, just don't even worry about it. Just move on forward. And so now I want to go to you and, and talk to you about that whole idea of being in like a male dominated industry and, and how did you kind of get that confidence to conquer that challenge mm -hmm. and be yourself? Yeah. Just like Queen Meek was just saying, it took almost like a traumatic experience for me to come out of that shell. And I don't know why that is. It seems like I always, Something bad has to happen before the good just experts from you. 
and I was going through a divorce, and I moved from Louisiana to Houston. And comedy is something that I always wanted to do, but when you're a marriage, your main focus is your family, your husband, you're backing him, doing everything that he want to do, make sure his goals and everything is accomplished. And when I got a divorce, I said, well, what I'm going to do for me? What makes me happy? I said, people always tell me, you should get a mic. You know, you're good at doing jokes and stuff like that. You should try it. But I never had the courage to actually do it. And I said, I had nothing holding me back. So one day I was at work and I asked my coworkers, I said, if I did some comedy, would y'all come down and, you know, support me? Because I'm new. I don't know anybody. It's just me and my kids. They're like, yeah, sure, we'll come and see you. So I go to the Houston Improv open mic. Mm. I get there, and I'm nervous as heck. <laughs> I go outside. I have a bottle of red wine in the back seat. Mm. I said, I'm going to need some. I'm going to get <laughs> I, I take it. I don't know how much I took. I just took it to my mouth, put it down, put it back in the seat. I said, okay, you got to do this. I said, you have people here, mm. you know, that's coming to see you. Mm-hmm. So I get there, and I'm just like, okay, it's do or die right now. And I grabbed that microphone, and when I started talking and it started flowing and coming out, it was just like like a, I don't know, like an out-of-body experience. You know, how can you kind of see yourself doing something mm-hmm. from another view? And I was watching myself telling these jokes and looking at people and seeing the smiles on their faces. And I was like, this feels good. <laughs> what took me so long? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I had the people that was there saying, oh, you were good, you were funny, and things that I did, wasn't expecting. You know, this is my first time grabbing a microphone. And I was like... Where would I be had I tapped into this 10 years ago or 15 years ago? Just like you were saying, even five years ago, you know, I'd be farther more advanced. And then I thought that even though I may plan things, God has a bigger plan for me. And so maybe it wasn't my time five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Maybe I had to go through all these experiences to get that courage to go out there and be my best self. That's awesome. Yeah, I I agree with you. Sometimes it does take a traumatic experience and you have to, like she was saying, you got to pour it out on the page or on the stage. Mm -hmm. And then you come to that. I should have been doing this. Mm -hmm. But then again, you might not have been ready. Like you said, you might not, you might have needed that journey, you know? So um, I'm going to do a piece kind of a, about some of the fear that I had when it came to relationships and and just how that's a challenge in itself <laughs> divorce <Yeah>. <laughs> for a lot of us that's a big challenge so i'm going to do this piece and and kind of talk about that conquering that challenge hmm. the point of no return sometimes i wonder if it's out there the point of no return especially after reading Facebook posts, damn, some of us been burned and marred and changed and scarred so badly. It's obvious to see the bitterness and suspicion broadcasted so broadly. When I divorced, I feared that most, not singleness, but spite, not loneliness, not emptiness, but losing all delight, all hope, all faith in men per se, instead seeing just dogs users, abusers, pieces of crap, feral, worthless cogs. I've dodged those landmines six years now, but 
Still, I've come so close to losing all respect for those with opposite chromosomes. But you, you seem so different. With promises so new, but it's all lies six months in. Damn, what's a girl to do? <laughs> Breaking up seems pointless to do what? Restart the cycle again? Cheating seems so cliche. Can we go back to just friends? Can't change my orientation. Mm. Though it crossed my mind to try. Just want to strike out and punish you because now my endless sky is Broken and fragmented, a shattered picture in a frame, and love, commitment, promises seem like just some kind of game. The breaking point. So we were telling you about heartbreak, which is a challenge. And you have, you know, I heard Joel Osteen say you have the choice to get bitter or get better. Mm-hmm. And every one of us in this room chose <laughs> to face that challenge <laughs> right. of heartbreak and get better <clears throat> to go back to something that made us happy yeah. and, and start something new out of the ashes. You know, you rise up as a Phoenix, you start something new. So she started comedy. She started poetry and rapping, you know, and then tell us about what you have here. So I have here my Queen's Tea. I started the Queen's Tea actually at the beginning of the pandemic. I've been wanting to do it for two years because I'm queen. And I, um, when I released my book, I wanted to do tea parties. So I was like, man, I want to make tea. It got to be purple. Because, <laughs> you know, purple my color. But I never got myself around to it. And before they shut us down, I was sick for 10 days. In fact... Remember the show you asked me to perform in? Mm -hmm. That was the 10 days I was sick. I went to the emergency room, and they tested me for COVID. They tested me for flu, everything. They told me it was nothing. And I don't have insurance. So, you know, you don't have insurance. They're not about to give you no help. They mm -hmm. rushed me out the hospital. I asked for some antibiotics. They didn't want to prescribe me nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. He was like, I was just going to pass. My mom was giving me cold and flu medicine off the shelf. Nothing was working so a friend told me about sea moss and you know i do sea moss too mm -hmm. and then i started researching herbs because i'm i'm holistic anyway i don't care for medicine anyway i was telling her don't give it to me it seemed like it was making worse but you know moms right. so i started studying where herbs help with um viruses with flushes out mucus because i had a the the main thing is mucus mm -hmm. so i was i i made this tea and I made this Sema smoothie. My main one is the Tropical Sunrise. I researched with enzymes, things like that. I put it together, and from there, it was like, yo, I got to do it. And it fit the poetry book anyway, warning to precaution. And I was like, yo, this is nice. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's great. And it's crazy because I had a dream that I'll be selling. I promise you, I talked to my dad. I was like, man, I had this dream. I was selling drinks at a, like I had my own little station, like my own little shop inside of a gas station or something. And I was like, God, what you talking talking about i don't know what i'm gonna do and my daddy was like well if he told you that the ancestors told you that then that's what you're gonna do and i was like, okay all right i hear you and so from there i was like well you gotta sell it then because it's no sitting on it and it, it don't it sometimes it seems like you don't know what to do sometimes it seems like you don't have the money to do things but if you just take your time and work with what you got you can make it work i yeah. promise 
That's very inspiring. And this yes. tea is beautiful, guys. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's delicious. Cup, I'm telling you, it's wonderful. It makes you feel good just drinking it. So yes, I encourage too. you to get her queen's tea. So that whole idea of when you're challenged with health mm-hmm. and nothing's working, I love the creativity. Our culture is creative. Mm-hmm. Our so. culture, we make you know, things work. We figure out ways to make things work. And I love that you took your illness and turned it into a business. That is amazing. That is something inspiring. Um, And it's something that can help build other people's immunity and help other people to, again, get back to nature, get back to Mm -hmm. things that are going to make them feel good. And speaking of, you know, building other people's immunity, comedy, (laughs) <laughs> laughter is the best medicine it is, <laughs> it is definitely I'm the best medicine you. so um i wanted to kind of end with talking about challenges in terms of you are a parent Mayim, and yes. i am a parent and you know we as women raising children is one of the biggest challenges I think I've ever faced hmm. outside of my divorce and outside of right. my parents' sickness. It has taken me to the edge. Woo! And brought and, you back. And, and, and I had to bring myself back. <laughs> we got to bring it back. <laughs> so I'm going to do a quick piece, and then I wanted you to talk to the people about, you know, as a mother, especially a single mother, when you have felt challenged by being alone, by being maybe overwhelmed by single motherhood, what helped you deal with those challenges and kind of feel like you could just cope, you know? So I'm going to do this point. Marrow deep. After being divorced two times, battered and cheated on, facing the death of a parent after hospice, I know pain. But the deepest pain ever blindingly intense knock you to your knees suffering is seeing the child that you birthed, that you nursed, that you raised seem to dangle his future over the abyss with a smile on his face. Who taught black youth that it's okay to play chicken with incarceration, to pull a gun on their brothers, to fill their lungs and brains with fumes and pharmaceuticals. Who taught them that babies are ropes in a tug of war of wills, future prospects, all tossed on top of the dung heap in pursuit of temporary bling and chase a tail. The jail becomes a revolving door and money is siphoned from those left behind. Hopeless, helpless parents, abandoned siblings, the gaps in the family tree grow. Why is it the fruit falls so far from the tree? Why is it the apple rots? Spoiling the whole bunch. Why is it the community richest in faith seems poorest in decision-making and self-control and discipline? I heard train a child up in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. But now I wonder, we all know about the foolishness of youth, but no one can afford to play a fool in a system that plays for keeps. Marrow deep. Thank you. So after my divorce, my kids were 18. I have two sons and they both lost 
their minds. I think it was dad not being in the house anymore. They both lost their minds. I'm telling you, they lost their minds. I had to kick both of them out. They were doing almost everything up under the sun that they could do. And, um, it was, it was a crazy time and I was praying for them and I was talking to them and I was trying to get them back, you know, to some semblance of normality. Cause it was, it was a crazy time yeah. and it was a challenge. I was thinking, what did I do wrong? What, what, how did, I mean, I, well, you know, I was overwhelmed feeling all kind of emotions, worry, fear, stress, anxiety, everything under the sun, crying, everything, you know, but at the end of the day, number one, I had to realize I did teach them some things. Number two, I also had to realize they were grown men, even though they were young men, they were grown, you know, and they had to deal with the consequences of their actions. And I had to step back a little bit and let them make some mistakes so they could come to some normality, some, they could, you know, they had to have their pig pen experience like the Bible talks about, the prodigal son, the pig pen experience, so they could come back and say, I'm sorry, let me come back home. That's right. You know? And it was one of the <clears throat> hardest things I had to do as a parent to let them have that pig pen experience, but we're in a much better place now. That was six years, almost seven years ago now. So, yeah, um, so I got through it. And so, Maya, what what would you say about single motherhood and, and, and dealing with challenges with children? <clears throat> I would have to say, well, I was a teenage mother. Mm-hmm. So I'm still at home with parents. I'm still trying to finish school. I have one child. And then before you know it, a year and a half later, I have another one because I'm just so in love. I'm a football player. I'm a cheerleader. We're just going to run off and just live happily ever after, right? But I think the family structure, because I was I had um, eight brothers and sisters, mm. mom and dad in the home. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I was able to have that full structure of a mother and a father that a lot of my friends growing up didn't have. Mm-hmm. And then my siblings, we were always responsible for taking care of one another. So when I had kids, it was almost like my kids were like their brother and sister because now we're all in this together because, like they say, it takes a village. Mm. And that is so true. If I didn't have my family and my parents and the way they raised me, I don't know how I would have made it. Mm. And having faith. I mean, a lot of times I would just go in my room and pray. Sometimes pray till I go to sleep, crying, you know, asking God for guidance and for help and you know, what am I doing wrong? Why am I making the same decision, you know, wrong decisions over and over and over again? I don't want this, you know. And then you feel like you're disappointing your parents because that's not the way they raised you and, you know, why are you doing the things that you're doing? But they also forgave me. They never judged me mm. for making those wrong decisions. They always had my back. So that, for me, would be the only way that I was making it during that time, being a single mother raising kids and, Next thing you know, I had a third one. Mm. It was years after, though, I was adult at that time, and I was more prepared. You know, I had my own car. I had my own apartment. I was independent. I was doing things, but I still didn't have a husband. You know, the still father wasn't there. You know, so I still had those challenges of picking kids up from school, taking them daycare. Then I'm going to school at night. Mm. So I'm working full time, going to school at night, trying to raise kids. It's stressful. Like, there was times where I thought, you know what? I'm just going to end it all. Mm. I don't need to be here no more. What, what am I doing? 
I'm not helping anybody. I'm not helping myself. I'm not helping my kids. And I got really, really depressed. And my mom was like, you know what? Your kids didn't ask to be here. So you have a responsibility. And you need to stand and pull your big girl panties on. <laughs> Put them in a rubber band, whatever you need to do, make them real tight. But you can't give up on them because I haven't given up on you. You know, and that was the best thing she could have said to me. I love her. Today. Mom, if you're watching, I love you. <laughs> you're the best. <laughs> you know, but I, I really appreciate the experiences that I did go through with being a single person, woman, because it made me appreciate things more. Mm. You know, when I was able to get the finer things in life, it made me, like, grab it and appreciate it and let my kids know that you have to work hard for what you want. Mm. You know, things are not going to always be easy in that generational curse, having babies out of wedlock, I don't want that for you guys. Mm, yeah. You know? <clears throat> I didn't have anyone to teach me about birth control and protecting yourself because I had a big family. My mom was raising kids, stair steps. You know, and it was kind of, you might got looked over. Mm. You know, my sister was way older than me, and she couldn't, you know, it was like she was out of the home pretty much. So that was the only other figure that I had to look up to. And, like, for my kids, I always let them know, you can talk to me about anything. I never had a closed door. If you think you're ready for that and you want to do that, you need to make sure you're protected. We need to get you something because I didn't want them to do that same thing that I was doing over. Even though one of them may have, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and I'm there and I'm support her because we all make mistakes. You know, we all make mistakes. But that that was one of the challenges that I dealt with being a single mother and having a good family structure and having a good faith and religious background. <clears throat> that's awesome yeah those two things right there uh, really help you through it when you think you can't make it I agree with you on that mm -hmm. so we're going to kind of close up now but I wanted to say you know this was about queens conquering challenges and uh, the one thing I wanted to say before we got off of here is that especially as black women we have a lot of strength but we also need to challenge ourselves. There is a saying, if you get on a plane, when there's turbulence and the mass drops, put it on your face first. Right. Because if you pass out, you can't help anybody. So I wanted, before we got off of here, to encourage everybody. This is COVID. This is unprecedented times. We have people losing their jobs left and right. We have, you know, COVID cases skyrocketing. We have all kinds of uncertainty. Take care of yourself. Yes, there are challenges, but one of the challenges that especially black women face is feeling like we have to be superhuman and super women and we can't let anybody know that we're struggling. She mentioned having a family structure to go and lean on, you know, lean on your family when you can, lean on your friends when you can, talk to people, write out things, have things that you do for yourself, like maybe getting you some tea that's going to make you feel a little healthier that's right. or reading a great book, you know, that's going to inspire you or listening to some great music or taking a walk in nature or taking a long bath or telling people this time right now at five o'clock on a Saturday, this hour is for me. I'm closing my door. You know, if nobody's bleeding or dying, mama is taking a nap or mama is reading a book or mama's soaking in the tub or whatever right. you have to do. Because we have to recharge. You cannot pour from an empty cup. And as much as you need to conquer the challenges, if you burn the candle at both ends, you're going to burn yourself out. You know, sometimes you need to give that candle some time to, you know, 
get filled again. Pour mm-hmm. some more wax in that mm-hmm. candle before the, the wig burns out, you know? Yeah. So, and, and you make candles too, don't you? No. No, not yet. Not I yet. Want to. Okay, I think you said something about wanting to make some candles. So, I wanted to encourage you, yes, go out there, conquer your challenges. Yes, do not be limited by what society says you can do or should do. But also take care of yourself and don't be trapped into that. Well, I got to be a superwoman. I got to be strong. No, you have to be you, you know, and you have to be realistic with what you can do and you can't do. And sometimes you need to say no. Everybody, sometimes you need to say no. That was one of my challenges. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I want, I spread myself thin often and I'm getting in the habit of no and learn how to say no with no explanation. Mm, I'm not going to explain to you. I said no, and it is what it is, and we're going to leave it at that. That's good. That's good. Some boundaries. I have a show that's coming out soon on boundaries, so you might want to get that. Okay. Um, Yeah, because it's it's another one of these episodes that we're getting ready to edit. It'll be up soon, but we do talk about that in detail, having boundaries. So um, where can they find you, and where can they find your products? They can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Queen Meat. That's Q-W-E-E-N-M-E-E-K. Q-W-E-E-N-M-E-E-K. And my website is allthingsmeat.com. All right. Awesome. And where can they find you? Well, you can find me on Instagram at Yami. That's Y-U-M-M-I-E. She funny. You can also find me on Facebook with my government name, which is Mayam, M-A-Y-A-M Robinson. And I also have a YouTube page also under Yami Shifani. And you can also find me Wednesday, December the 16th at Bar 2200 at 2200 Southwest Freeway. I'll be there at 10 o'clock for some live comedy. Mm, You should come check me out. Awesome. And she is very funny. So you guys should definitely check her out. So I am Zenashe. That's spelled Z-E-N-A-S-E. This is Zenergy. I do have a live show that's coming up. That's on December the 18th, which is a Friday. And that's going to be at JW Soul Food and Barbecue. So we're only selling 42 tickets. It's going to be a very intimate show. We're going to have about nine artists, comics, musicians. We had a dancer. We have poets and comedians. So it's a full show. And they have amazing soul food and barbecue. You will have to buy a food or a drink when you come in uh, to support the venue. And, um, I do have merch. You know, Christmas is coming up. She has some things that you can sell. Support your black businesses. Give the gift of lift. Give some things that are going to lift people's up, you know, spirits up, to lift people's hearts up, to lift people's souls up, and even to lift up their immunity. Yeah. Okay. Let's lift up some immunity. So um, thank you for joining us, and may you walk in Zenergy. Good night. Give the gift of lift. Lift people up. Lift people up so when they look at your your shirt, they look at your mug, they get an inspiring message. They're lifted. Mm-hmm.